if you'll turn with me to uh, Genesis chapter 2. I've got a title. Last week I didn't have one. This week I've got one. Sustaining life. Sustaining life. We're the only creatures that touch both worlds, the natural world and the spiritual world. And God caused the earth to sustain life for the things that it brought forth. The trees, vegetation, the fish, the swarming things in the waters, the birds of the air, the animals, and all the creeping things on the earth. We read that out of Genesis last week. And then we found out that if you take away their food or water or sun or minerals or nutrients, you know, what they need to live on, you take one or those away for a long period of time, they're going to what? They're going to die. Because they have to have those to live in the natural realm. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says this, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. And so God reached down, Out of the earth, out of the dust, he formed man, and then he breathed into him his life, and man became a living being. And so we have to have both the substance from the earth to survive, but we also have have to have the substance of heaven, of our spiritual life, in the right amount in order to live spiritually. And so... The natural world has to sustain us, but also God's Spirit has to sustain us. But not just His Spirit, but His Word and His people and and all that it takes for us spiritually to not just survive, but to live at our peak level for Him. We need to remember that we are spiritual beings having a temporary human experience and so we need to pay attention to our physical bodies and care for them but we also have to be attentive to our spiritual bodies and properly care for them as well we can't put too much emphasis just on the natural we can't put too much emphasis just on the spiritual we have to combine those we have to have them both in a balance In the natural, if we don't feed ourselves, if we don't water ourselves in the right amount, if we don't have the right amount of nutrients and exercise and proper sleep and all of that, eventually we will die. And too much of any one thing will not be good of us. Our physical bodies are awesome. Uh, Diana calls them awesome machines because they are designed for life. They are designed for living, not death. And it's okay to allow healing to come in the natural and or by the medical world. By taking medicine and having surgery if needed. God can use all of that. And yet somehow when we become believers, some of us have gotten off balance and we think that we don't need, uh, we don't need doctors, we don't need medicine, we don't need to change our diet or anything like that. Yes. God gave us those people 
so that they could help us physically as well. But the awesome thing about us believers is we're not limited to just what the doctors can do or just what medicine can do or just what the uh, earth produces that brings forth healing. But we can tap into the fact and the truth that by the stripes of Jesus Christ, we have been healed. I mean, I'm, I'm stirred up by this message because I've, I've been thinking about it for quite some time now, and I'm just thinking how... Um, I can use this word, Diana. Ignorant, we have become. You know, that's better than saying you're dumb, right? Even though you're sheep, and sheep are dumb. <clears throat> but we get so out of balance, and everything has to be spiritual. But you're not all spiritual. You have a physical body that you have to care for. So, but just as in the natural, we have to tend to that. So in the spiritual, we have to attend to it. We have to make sure that we're feeding. And we do that by reading the word of God, but not just reading it. We have to study it. We have to memorize it. We have to meditate on it. We have to begin speaking it. We have to begin praying it. And, you know, the scripture speaks of the fact that we need the milk of the word. But you know, the milk of the word is for infants. It's for babies. And the word says that. But there's coming a day when God is waiting for us to get off the milk of the word and get into the meat of the word where we can uh, take responsibility for our own actions. We can grow up and become what God has called us to. We can begin to do those things. And, you know, and we're so stuck on the milk. As soon as somebody offends you, you just blow a gasket. That's because you're drinking milk and you should be eating meat. Grow up. You're so attached to that bottle. We need to be watered and comforted. And, you know, the Holy Spirit is both of those. He's the water that brings forth life, that, that oozes life out of us. But he's also the oil that brings comfort and soothes us as he leads us and guides us. He fills us and sustains us. We need the anointing of the Holy Spirit to bring us into a freedom that only he can bring us into. You know, sometimes we try and do it in our own strength. And we, we think if I have this program and if we do it this way and this way and this way, then everything is going to be great. No, no. You need, we need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And in our spiritual life, we need to exercise our faith as well. I, this is one of the most amazing things to me is how believers don't want to exercise their faith. <laughs> the only way to get stronger physically is for your muscles to be stretched. The only way for your faith to grow spiritually is for your faith to be stretched. And then what happens as soon as God stretches our faith, we start having a conniption fit. If you don't know what that is, that's a temper tantrum. If you're old, you know, my age, you know what that is. 
As soon as something is greater than us, then we start bawling and wailing and, Oh God, where are you? How come you've left me? How come you're not with me? He is. He's just stretching you. He's just causing your faith to develop to a new level. And and then we get all bent out of shape because God calls us to something that we can't do in our own strength. Well, if you could do it in your own strength, in your own wisdom and everything else, then you don't need Him. You don't even need faith. But He calls us to something greater than what we can do. Why? Because He wants us to exercise our faith. Mm. You know, so you're in Genesis. We're going to go to stay in Genesis chapter 2, but we're going to look at verse 15 in just a second. But in all of this, we need the right amount of balance in all the things that we need to live, both in the natural, physically, and also spiritually, to be at our peak performance, to, to walk in the potential that God has for us. And, you know, I'm, I'm here to tell you that what God thinks about your life is greater than what you think about your life. What he thinks you can accomplish in this world is a whole lot greater than what you think you can accomplish in this world. But we're not going to see it if we don't exercise our faith. To sustain our physical bodies, we have to give ourselves to the natural world. To sustain our spiritual bodies, we have to give ourselves to the things of the spirit realm. Before Adam sinned, okay, his spirit was connected to the spirit of God. It was alive to God. It was in harmony with God. It had complete fellowship with God. God would come down and he would walk with, walk with them and talk with them and they had a great time. But when Adam sinned, it says that... Um, his spirit became separated from God's spirit. And, and separated means that it became dead to God. Okay? It was once alive unto God. Now it's dead to God. It's separated. We find that in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. And this is the command that he gave them. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Okay, that was the command that God gave them. If they ate of that tree, they were going to die. Now, they did eat of the tree, but they didn't die physically. So the death that they experienced was a spiritual death, meaning that they were separated from God. And then when, you, when God comes back down after the fall to talk with them, Adam and Eve are afraid of the presence of God now because they've never experienced anything like this. All they've ever known was being alive to God and now they're separated from God. And God comes down to see them and, and they don't know what to do. They can't handle it. 
And so we have to have a proper understanding of what it means here. If you'll turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. And eventually they died because the spirit man is the one who gives life. Okay? And then because sin entered and they're separated from God, then eventually what is on the inside is going to be manifested on the outside and they're going to die physically. But their first death was that spiritually. Being separated from God. We're going to look in Ephesians and Colossians. Ephesians first. And that's in Ephesians chapter 2 starting in verse 1. Paul says, And you were dead in the trespasses of your... Uh, Trespasses and sins. In which you once walked. Following the course of this world. Following the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. Carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind, but God. Everybody say, but God. All right. And I hope that when you remember that, you also remember Alicia's series that she did on that too. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. And so I'm, I'm letting us see that there's the truth here about what we are like spiritually before we come to Christ, before we place our faith in Him. We're dead to God. We're dead to His Spirit. We're children of wrath. We're walking around aimlessly. We're doing whatever feels good. We don't have any control over our lives. And then we get graced by understanding Jesus. And he makes us alive. Colossians chapter 2. Starting in verse 13. Colossians chapter 2. Verse 13. And you who were dead in your trespasses. In the uncircumcision of your flesh. God made alive together with him. Speaking of Christ. Having forgiven us all our trespasses. How many trespasses? Okay, now, here's the problem Christians have. We think all means all the ones previous to our salvation experience. That's not true. It means all of those, but it also means all of the ones that are to come because we live in a human body and we're going to make mistakes. We're going to fail each other. We're going to fail God. But God says that He's forgiven us of all of our trespasses. I mean, I know people that are struggling because they've sinned after being born again and they wonder how God can forgive them. It's called repentance and confession. The same way you got it the first time is the same way you get it the second time. Verse 14. He did this by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. 
And so I'm bringing this up because Adam was a representative for all of mankind. And as he went, as he did, so all of us. So he was born or he was created perfect, placed in a perfect garden, no issues, but he sinned. When he sinned, all of humanity after that is born into sin. Okay? But the scripture also speaks of Christ as a representative as well. And when we place our faith in Christ and his sacrifice for our sins, then we become alive again unto God. So Adam, just being born in the natural, we are under Adam, under his nature, under how he lived, under his representation, which was he sinned and therefore he died. So we're born into this world already dead to God, already separated to God, spiritually speaking. But Christ comes, he's a representative as well. And then since Christ never sinned and he stayed connected to God with the Holy Spirit. And so as we place our faith in him, then we are made alive again to God's spirit. Isn't that awesome? And then God can do the supernatural through us. Hallelujah. Turn with me to the Gospel of John chapter 3, please. John chapter 3. Now, I don't want us to limit what Jesus did for us to us just being saved and going to heaven someday. That's like the lie that the enemy has perpetrated on the church that we have just come to the conclusion that, oh, it's great. All you have to do is be saved and then you have no power to rise above anything in this world. But one day you're going to heaven. So that, like, that's supposed to comfort us and console us. And what we have been failed to understand and know is that when we're born again and God's Spirit is placed in us and we're made alive again, then we have power to live the life that God has called us to. You know, we've shared on that before. That's for another day. But we just have this notion that, you know, Okay, I'm saved, and and that's good enough for me. Well, fine. Be miserable until you get to heaven then. I don't want to be miserable down here. I want to live down here. In John chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, and the Pharisees were against Jesus. They were the religious bunch a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. This is Jesus' answer, verse 3. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, and whenever you hear the words truly, truly, that means pay attention. Alright? He's got something really good to say. Truly, truly, I say to you, 
unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Okay? This perplexed Nicodemus, verse 4. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, so I know you're paying attention. I say to you, unless one is born of water in the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And so let's kind of break this down as to what Jesus said here. First of all, he says that it's not a physical rebirth again. It's a spiritual rebirth. Okay? It's being made alive, being born again in the Spirit. Okay? Then Jesus also said that if you are not born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And here's what I want us to understand about seeing the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God does not operate according to the ways of the world. The kingdom of God operates according to the plans and the principles and the ways of God. And so it can override the ways in the natural. That's why it's called supernatural at times. Okay, so he says, if you're not born again, you can't even see that there's another way. You can't even see that there's hope. You can't see that there's a there's more that can be done in your circumstance. And so all we have to go by is what we see in the natural. But when we're born again, then he says, then you'll be able to see the kingdom. But he takes it a step further, and he says that unless we're born of the water and the Spirit, he says, then you won't enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean to enter the kingdom of God? That means... When you enter the kingdom of God, everything that is in the kingdom now belongs to you. When you came in here this morning, when you entered into this sanctuary, you chose a seat and you sat down in it because the chairs were already here. When we enter the kingdom of God, that means that we're not just seeing, but we're beginning to understand the promises that God has for us. The principles laid out in His kingdom. And we can tap into those now. Now, they don't make sense in the natural. You know, here's one of the greatest things. Whenever God has drawn us closer to Him, we try and figure it out in the natural first. And, and then we can't because it doesn't make sense in the natural. 
And so I just want to encourage you. God's ways are higher than our ways. So when we're entering the kingdom of God, then there's going to be things that God can do in our lives that can't be done any other way in the natural. <coughs> For instance, here's one of the promises. By his stripes you have been healed. You can now enter into that. You, you have entered the kingdom of God. And so because Jesus took those stripes, we can be healed. Now look, can you be healed in the natural, by natural things? Yes. I'll never forget when Diana got diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis and then she had medicine that she had to take. She struggled with it. Because she thought that it was against her faith to take medicine. Because she believed that by the stripes of Jesus Christ, she was healed. And she felt that if she took the medicine, she was calling God a liar. And I said to her, I love you, honey, but you're going to take the medicine. And you're going to take the medicine until God heals you. Because if you will take this medicine, it will help you. But if you don't take this medicine... You're not going to be helped. And you can wait for the healing to come. But if it doesn't come in this realm, in this world, while you're still breathing, then not taking the medicine is not going to do you any good. And so I said, you're going to take the medicine. And she took the medicine reluctantly at first. But here's what we did, too. We prayed over her medicine. And we, we laid hands on it while it was in her hands. And we said, Father, we thank you for this medicine. We thank you that this is going to keep her until you bring healing to her. And we're still believing that by the stripes of Jesus Christ, she has been healed. But until we see that manifested, she's going to take this medicine and it's going to do her good. And I'm so thankful we did that. And as you know, 11 years later, she's completely healed of it. We don't even know how, except for we really do. Amen? By his stripes, we have been healed. And thank God that the doctors knew enough to give her the medicine that she had to help her. Then in verse 6, just a reminder, he spoke this. Jesus said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And so flesh is of the natural world. Spirit is of God's world, God's realm. And we are the only creatures to be able to tap into both of those. Okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. This is what I was talking about earlier where um, we can get a little frustrated with God and agitated with God because as He's trying to bring us up higher spiritually, give us a greater understanding of our faith, expanding our faith, strengthening our faith, sometimes we struggle with that because we try and figure it out in the natural. But it doesn't work. Let me give you another example that I'm talking about. Tithing. We don't tithe because God needs the money. 
He doesn't. We tithe because he says, this is how we honor him. We're recognizing that he's given us the ability to earn that money by allowing us to work, by gracing our lives with skills that will enable us to make this money. And then we honor him back by giving it to him. Now, in the natural, when you're first starting off, it doesn't make sense. Because you probably have more bills than you have money to pay. And so then you struggle with, well, in the natural, you think, I, I can't afford to give to God. I can't afford to give. No, that's not true. You can't afford not to because now you've entered into the kingdom of God. And when you do the things that he's called you to, then he will provide for you. Because his word says, not only to give in honor to him, but he says that when you plant seed, he'll give you more seed if you'll continue sowing seed. So if you stop sowing seed, he's not obligated to give you seed. He's going to find somebody else that will sow it. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says it right here, verse 14. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. They're out of this world. They're not pertaining to this world. They're of the kingdom of God, and we've entered into the kingdom of God now. Verse 15, the spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. Go with me to 1 Peter chapter 1, please. So, we have to be born again to understand God, to understand His ways and His principles, to learn how to walk effectively now in His kingdom. Not just the world down here, but now we have access to His kingdom. In 1 Peter chapter 1, um, verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again. And I, and I want to pause here for a minute because I think this is important. Because in my prayers, I use the word cause quite a bit. Or cause. Father, open up the eyes of our understanding. Cause us to know the love that you have for us. That's specific. I do that for a specific reason. Here he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he caused us. In other words, he set into motion. He planned something for us. And now we're walking in it. And this is what it is. He caused us to be born again. And let me just keep reading to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Woo! And all I got to say is, I'm entering. I'm in. I'll take it all. A living hope. An inheritance that is imperishable. That means it doesn't have an expiration date. 
It doesn't expire. <coughs> Excuse me. Undefiled and unfading. Kept in heaven for you. Mm. Let me read it to you out of the Amplified. 1 Peter 1.3, Amplified. Praise, honored, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. By His boundless mercy, we have been born again to an ever-living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Born anew into an inheritance which is beyond the reach of change and decay, imperishable, unsullied, and unfading, reserved in heaven for you, who are being guarded, garrisoned by God's power through your faith till you fully inherit that final salvation that is ready to be revealed for you in the last time. What an awesome God. You see, He doesn't save us just to save us and wait for us to go to heaven. He's given us access to a whole new world down here. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. We were just in there, but just a few verses down. 1 Peter 1, 22. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, for a, to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Hallelujah. All right, if you'll stand with me. One more scripture. In John chapter 20, verse 22. This is before Jesus is taken up. It says, And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. And I'm, I want to bring this in because I want us to see how important it is that this is an illustration. This is like exactly what God did when he formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into him. And he became a living soul. His spirit was alive. When Jesus is doing this, and it says that he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. It's their moment of being born again. Of being made alive in the spirit with God. Okay? And so when we become born again, God opens up to us a whole new realm of living and possibilities a new realm not limited by our earthly limitations, by the things that we see in the natural. But now we get to see the potential. We get to enter into the potential of heaven. The spiritual potential. All that God has for us because we're born again into a living hope. Into an, an inheritance we can't even describe. Hallelujah. Amen. All right, let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this day and the love that you have for us. And Father, I thank you for your word and the truth of your word. And I pray that as we understand that born again 
means that we're alive to you, but it's more than that. It means that everything that you are, everything that you have now belongs to us. We're your sons and your daughters, and you delight in caring for your children. And Father, I pray that um, as we're learning that there's a spiritual side of our life, there's a physical side of our life, that you want us to be in balance in all of them. But Father, you also want us to not be limited by the physical realm, by the natural realm, but tap into all that you have for us to be able to see and enter in to the kingdom of God that you've provided for us through Jesus Christ and our ability to be born again. We thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. All right. Go out there and have a blessed week knowing that you're born again.